Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And I am Colin. Oh, you switched it up on me this week. I did. You're always keeping me on my toes. That's why, I just, that's why I just love doing this show with you, Colin, because you're just such a ray of sunshine on a cloudy day. That's Thank it. you. That's, no, that means a lot. I was, I was waiting to see if you would keep going, but, but no, I, I didn't need any more. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. You called um, me a rock on Twitter the other day, too. Man. No, I meant, I, I meant that I wanted to hit you with a rock. Sorry, there was probably some miscommunication mm. there. Ah, yeah, that wasn't how I read that. So thank you for clearing that up. Yeah, that, that makes more sense with how I said it, I think. Yeah, um, context, as always. College season's over, guys. The long, long road is over. Hopefully, you guys won a lot of different championships this past weekend. Uh, it sounds like we've got some guys in our Discord that did. So good. We are glad to hear that. Um, I had literally an entire team of uh, of guys just completely crap the bed this week. That was not uh, that was not the plan. Yeah, I um, didn't have anybody in this week. I lost in the semis in two leagues um so i was i was not in any championships this year but you know it's it, it is a blessing to hear all of the guys out there that have done really well thank you to the guys who reached out to us to thank us uh, you know let us know how you did you know we heard multiple success stories of guys having championships and and dominating leagues and a lot of them they you know they credit us and and everybody else at the site and the discord so uh, thank you to all of you guys. That is my championship. Moral victory. Well, you know what else is a championship, Colin? What's that? This is episode 100 what? of the C2C podcast. Yeah. Celebrate good times. Come on. We'll just pipe in the actual song over that later so we, people oh, okay. don't have to hear our terrible singing. No, that's um, good. That's a good yeah, call. Yeah, because it was bad. Um, At least they can't see our dancing. <laughs> no, I'm going to release the video on that. Um, one day when you're really annoying me, I'll just put the video of you out there um, for everybody to see. Yeah, guys, this is our 100th episode. We've been doing this almost a year now. I believe we released our first episode the second week of December last year. Oh, so. We released two episodes at once. Um, so, yeah, and here's to 100 more with you, Colin. Here's um, to another 100 with you as well, Austin. Yay. All right, guys. Well, the season's over, but college football certainly never sleeps. We literally, we're recording this on Monday, November 29th. Uh, what we will uh, probably be calling uh, Transfer Portal Day moving forward. I, I don't know. What's, what's the opposite of Black Monday? Day, like, coaching Carousel Day. Just so much news to get through here today. I it's a, honestly cannot remember more news than this in a single day. It is like literally the stupidest amount of news ever. So actually, let's just get right into this, Colin. We're going to do just a little wrap-up session here, kind of our MVPs, disappointments from the season. Then we're just going to go right into all of this news. We're going to tell you guys the result of the start-sit competition. Spoiler alert. I'm going to be very happy, and Colin's going to be very sad. And guys, if you guys remember last offseason, we did our freshman profiles we are going to start doing them again this week because early signing day is in two weeks. So we're going to start getting you guys ready uh, uh, for all of that that sweet, sweet freshman scouting over the offseason, guys. But before we begin, this podcast is a part 
of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, the Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, the Smoke Show, the Triple Play Fantasy Podcast, and the Fantasy Points Podcast itself. You can follow all of these guys on one place on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live, or you can check out their Friday drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. All right, Colin, we promised we'd give a short wrap up here, an ode to the 2021 football season. I wish I had a, a, a like a, a little sad song for us to play here in the background. Uh, I, I really dropped the ball there. Closing time. <laughs> <laughs> all i can think of when i hear that song even though i've heard that song a bajillion times is the office yeah <laughs> with how much stanley loves that song um so yeah guys so we're, we just picked three categories here i'm sure we'll we'll review it a little more in depth but there's just so much news here that that i mean we we can't spend too much time on this here tonight or this would literally be a four-hour podcast so the 2021 season wrap-up colin i i gave us three categories here the first one are mvps of the 2021 season uh, we didn't even break this out by position. We just had to pick one guy um, using whatever criteria we wanted. So, Colin, who did you choose and kind of why did you choose him? Yeah, so my MVP this season is uh, Rasheen Ali running back for the Marshall Thundering Herd. Big reason why this guy's MVP is he was completely undrafted. In, he had no ADP at all in our mock draft database i did not see any drafts where this guy had gotten taken at all and he exploded you know if you got him off the waiver wire in the early in the season you rode him to a massive year he averaged uh, depending on league settings it can vary a little bit but averaged 26 fantasy points per game um you know he had 1200 rush yards 20 touchdowns 44 catches for 320 yards as well on the ground uh, multiple, multiple games, over 100 yards, over 30 fantasy points. Um, you know, he really had two duds on the year, and that was it. One against Old Dominion, one against UAB. Other than that, every single game in and out was very solid. You know, multiple games with, he had a game with eight catches, six catches, six catches, four, seven. You know, he was doing it all sorts of different ways. So, you know, Hats off to Rashina Lee and anybody who picked him up because you probably rode him to a championship. I lost in a semifinal last week, barely, uh, barely to Campus to Canton's own Dwight Peebles. Um, and, and Ali carried that team uh, through a lot of the season. Uh, I chose Lou Nichols, and I think that he is a very obvious choice for this, not only because he was RB3 on the year in terms of a uh, you know, a point per game basis playing there at Central Michigan really only had two subpar games. He had he had two games under 10 points in PPR. He had another one at 15 and then his other ones were all basically 30 or higher. And, and really during the, the last stretch of the season, last five games of the year, 42 points, 28 points, 52.8 points, 43 points and 31 points. I mean, just just putting teams on his back. Uh, down the stretch if you I, I would I, I don't think Fantrax does this like Yahoo used to and he, I think ESPN did too where it shows like the percentage of, of a player on a championship roster but I'd wager that Lou Nichols might be the player that is on the most championship rosters this year uh, just, just an epic epic finish to the season he's probably back next year as well um, so so you get him again uh, on the flip side Colin 
our biggest disappointments of the year. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Uh, I think there's a couple obvious ones here, but none more so to me than Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler is a guy that, you know, in Devi mocks in C2C or Devi drafts in C2C drafts in CFF drafts, everybody was taking this guy to be a stud, you know, a future NFL stud, a CFF stud. I mean, he was, his ADP for us on average was 3.4. So, you know, he was going, you know, high, high early first round. You're, You're spending significant draft capital on him. I imagine CFF, I don't have any specific data on that there either, but, you know, in the mocks that I did, you know, he was typically gone by the second round. You know, people were banking on him having a big year. Oklahoma quarterbacks typically have huge years. And he just, he fell flat on his face. You know, he he struggled when he was in there. Then he got benched and you got almost no production out of him. Uh, for, for And for, for where you took him in drafts, that was, that was brutal. Yeah, he, he's a big one. The only other one that, I mean, DJU is an obvious other answer. Neither of us picked him, uh, but uh, you could just basically take, I could just replay back what you said and just dub over DJ Uangalele when you said Spencer Rattler and it would have also applied to him. The, um, the, oh, the, the difference I think between those two is the CFF production you were expecting though too. Yeah. I mean, DJU, you know, you thought it would be a serviceable fantasy quarterback uh, for the CFF side, but I think people were banking on Rattler being a, a QB one and a fairly high QB one at that. And for what it's worth, I mean, we had seen more of Spencer Rattler. Right. Like fair. there was still, you know, people were, but I, I think we mentioned multiple times on this show over the offseason, like we think DJU is good. We don't know it yet. We also thought, I think, I think we, I thought, I think we would have said we know Spencer Rattler is probably good. So I can see how then uh, that would be the bigger disappointment. My biggest disappointment on the year, Colin, is Eric Gray. Eric Gray transferred from Tennessee this offseason, Debbie Darling. We we all thought, you know, this is huge. And I think, you know, I was a little hesitant at first. I kind of came around because of my my whole argument was he doesn't even have to take over this backfield for him to see quality touches each game. If he's seeing 10 to 15 touches a game, there's room for him and, you know, Brooks or whoever is in the backfield there with him to both achieve that. And they can both probably be very efficient with those touches, especially because he catches a lot of passes. So, you know, and especially in PPR formats, I thought this guy is going to tear it up this year. Eric Ray this year in full PPR had three double digit games. And it's not like they that coaching staff did not give him every opportunity to take over that or not take over that backfield, but be a consistent performer uh, with a solid amount of touches. The first four games of the year, the first month against this murder's row, Tulane, Western Carolina, Nebraska, and West Virginia. He got nine carries and a catch, nine carries and a catch, 15 carries and a catch, and then 12 carries and three catches. So he averaged, you know, 12, 13 touches all through that and literally, you know, didn't hit 100 yards in a single one of those games. Scored one touchdown on a catch in those first four games. I mean, we should have known at that point something was wrong. They scaled back his touches. They they, they finally said, we can't keep giving this dude inefficient touches. Like, we just, it's a waste of a, a, a play 
every time we give it to him. The last the last eight games of the year, four carries, six, six, one, two, one, four, one. Just completely replaced. He's an afterthought now. I think you can still sucker him off to somebody, but I'm actually really interested to see with Lincoln Riley leaving, and we're going to talk about that whole thing in a minute. Like, I don't even know what's in store for this kid to finish out his college career. Yeah, I have I have no idea. Definitely another big disappointment there too. Another guy that you know people thought was going to be a Debbie guy, and people thought he was going to be a, a college asset as well. Uh, you know, I was one of those people. I thought he was going to be more college asset there, but you know, swinging a miss on both fronts. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, with with Lincoln Riley going, like, even with Kennedy Brooks likely off to the NFL, I don't know how much you know, what his future is going to look like. The only good news is, and, and, you know, we can get into that too, is that that recruiting class is probably falling apart. You know, who knows who they're actually going to bring in. So maybe he does have a significant role next year for whoever, whatever coach they do bring in. Could be an interesting buy low. I'm interested to see what his ADP settles in a couple months in. Right. Um, Cause I, I really don't have any idea what uh, necessarily to predict there. All right, Colin, speaking of buying low or just buying at all, our last category here, before we move on to the headlines, one player that you'll be buying all off season. You cheated and you put two. Whatever, just get it, get it over with. Tell me what both who both of them are. I did. I put two. Uh, first one I put was Jalen McMillan. But well, let me first get into to it. You know, I, I think that with Jimmy Lake out, he was a candidate for, as a guy that I was going to be buying, and we can get into it a little bit later. But with the coach that they're bringing in. I like him even more now, but as I was thinking about it, it's kind of cheating because how can I buy somebody that I already have? So that's why I went with the second option here. So you, so cheated, you cheated twice on one question. Yeah, I did. Jeez. Yeah, I did. I, I wanted, I have to talk about McMillan. It's on brand for me, but uh, you know, if you don't have McMillan out there, I think he is going to be a really nice buy candidate. I think he's potentially looking at some really nice production, uh, this coming year. And I still believe in him as a pro prospect. I, you know, I think he showed flashes this year as well, despite all that dysfunction. But what what the, about, what about, uh, what about uh, Romeo Dunze? Is like he a buy well. too? Yeah, I think so. At cost, you you would still rather have Jalen McMillan over him? Um, Yes, only because I believe more in McMillan uh, translating to the NFL than I do uh, Adunze. I don't know if Adunze will translate to the NFL or not, but his cost is still a lot, a lot cheaper than McMillan. You know, he's, he's dirt cheap as, as somebody to buy for the most part. So I, I was, I was flipping through waivers in one of my leagues a week or so ago, just kind of end of the season, seeing what's out there. And he was available. I snapped him up. Um, because yeah, and I think did he outperform Jalen McMillan the last few weeks of the season? Odin's um, I think he did. I didn't. I don't have the stats pulled up here in front of me, but um, yeah, no. Odunze had a nice finish to the year, and McMillan flashed here and there, you know, throughout the year, but it was never really super well, consistent. Well, lucky for you, I do have the stats pulled up Ooh, right now, Colin. Please share. Last three games of the year. Uh, McMillan, two catches for eight yards, three for 17, and three for 31. No touchdowns in there at all. Adunze, on the other hand, eight for 82, nine for 68, and one, three for 69, and one. And I think Adunze is cheaper 
I would much rather buy a Dunze over McMillan. So, I think a Dunze is cheap. I think a Dunze is cheaper as well, and I would absolutely buy him. But like I said, I'm buying McMillan more because I still believe in him for an NFL potential, whereas I'm not sure about a Dunze yet. Okay. Just I just wanted to give the people all of the information. They can do whatever they want with it. That's fair. Thank you. Thank you for, for always thinking of the people. I am a man of the people, Colin. They, they call me that. <laughs> They call me that. I told them to stop, but they won't. <laughs> um, my other guy that I am buying this offseason is uh, Demarcus Bowman, running back for Florida. With it was it was kind of a weird year this year overall for Florida. I mean, there's so much dysfunction. I think Dan Mullen lost that locker room early. And then there's there were so many other backs in that backfield that Mullen kept giving touches to. You know, Pierce, Naquan, Wright. Um, I don't even know how many Lorenzo Lingard ended up with, but it was probably more than Demarcus Bowman did, had. But there, there were so many options there in that backfield. And I don't really trust Mullen to use running backs properly. Now, the guy that they're bringing in, uh, Billy Napier, which we can talk about in a little bit as well, I do trust him to use running backs well. Now, he will probably use a committee approach. That's kind of what he has used pretty much everywhere he's been, um, particularly in, at UL these past couple of years. But I think that actually bodes well for Demarcus Bowman because it's going to get him on the field more, and it's going to let him showcase some of that talent that we thought he had originally. You know, that, that made him a five-star prospect, that made him such a high, um, highly touted freshman, especially going to Clemson. Then you know, kind of falling off the rails. I'd be curious to see what his price is, but. He's a guy that I'm definitely floating some offers out on. So I just talked myself into Romeo Dunze as my big buy. But now that we've already talked about him, I, I, uh, I'm i not going to say him. And my other big buy is just to cheat because you cheated as Gavin Bartholomew. I think it's just a huge buy. I mean, this dude was crushing it down the stretch. He's got great size. The third tight end, third freshman tight end uh, behind Jack Beck and Brock Bowers. Um, and I think he's still kind of an afterthought. Um, very good athlete, very physical. I mean, he's just very well-rounded. So I, I really, really like him. He will be the guy at tight end next year for Pitt. Will that offense be his explosive passing next year without Kenny Pickett? Remains to be seen. We'll see what they end up with the quarterback. But th those two guys there. But my answer is Deion Smith for LSU uh, was a guy that I, I really liked coming out of high school last year. Only played five games, went down injured. Um, but I had that obvious, that monster five for thir 135 and two game against Central Michigan. Um, it had, it had a handful, handful of catches across the other four games. He's just, I, I, it's funny because I've kind of, you know, how the, peop the people that listen to the show know that we have like our chains of like this player is to this player is to this player. And you can just do like a 20. We have ones that are just so long with some of these guys. Well, he, here's Lewis. here is the one that Dion. Yes. Brandon Lewis is what <laughs> poor man's Jeff Sims, who was poor man's. I forget KJ Jefferson, who was poor man's Malik Willis. It, we or had Willie a, Cunningham in there somewhere, too. We had an enormous chain of these guys. So here's my one for Dion Smith. And this is not like the helmet because I I'm gonna name another name here that is going to be a freshman next year. So you guys can you know bonus bonus names. You guys can write these guys down. Dion Smith is basically Terrace Marshall coming out of high school. Six three, two hundred and three pounds. Really good athlete. Really good with the ball in his hands. Has zero idea how to play quarterback. I think we did a freshman profile on him and or yes, well I would hope that he has zero 
knowledge of playing quarterback. <laughs> yes, he has no idea how to play wide receiver either. Um, so I and so uh, he's basically all physical talent and like nothing else right now. So if he can figure that out, you know, just like Terrace Marshall did, came in, kind of figured it out for a year. Uh, wheels up the other guy so the the guy this year that's like that is andre green jr who's going to north he just committed to north carolina uh, and he is very very similar very low level of competition i have z- this good dude has zero idea how to play wide receiver uh but he sure looks really freaking awesome out there on the field but that's the kind of player Dion smith is and i think you know new coaching staff again we're going to talk about that in a minute how much shit are we going to talk about in a minute so um, much. <laughs> potentially new coach in there potentially new quarterback, like just everything might be new there. And I think Deion Smith is the kind of guy that can stand out right away to a new coaching staff just based on his gifts. Yeah, no, I I like that call as well. I mean, the trio of guys that they brought in this year in Chris Hilton, Deion Smith and Brian Thomas Jr. All were very intriguing. It was definitely, I know um, Smith was more your guy out of that group than than any of the others. I was, I didn't really have a, a firm opinion on which guy, I thought was going to be the best out of them, which is why I was taking more of a wait and see approach. And none of them really did that much this year. They all kind of had a moment in the sun and then, you know, had a a little spattering here and there. But yeah, I know I I like Deion Smith as a call. It's just going to be really interesting to see what the coaching staff changes, which like said we'll get to in a minute. Yes, yes. We we okay. The column. We can't keep the people waiting any longer. We have so much stuff that we're about to talk about in a minute. Um, So let's just get right into that then shall we we have two we have two headline sections here tonight guys the first is the, our coaching carousel edition of headlines and then we will have our transfer transfer portal edition uh coaching carousel is more fun and i think that's the biggest story it contains the biggest story of the day too or the last yeah. 24 hours i think technically it happened last night it's probably got the biggest two stories there too yes, yes. <laughs> i mean it's just like the dominoes that this is set off because we're already i mean like we're going to talk about this in a minute. Like <laughs> the dominoes here are just stupid. Um, so Lincoln Riley, former head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners, is leaving town, not to LSU, which is what everybody thought he was going. And that's why he didn't lie. He didn't lie. He did the Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> are you going to LSU? Uh, I will not be the head coach at LSU. Mm, smart man. He is going to USC, guys. He's going to be the next head coach of the Trojans. I have a long list of questions that we're going to talk about, Colin, but I just want to say one thing about this hire first. I don't know if I've necessarily... I've talked to a few people today. What are you doing? I don't know if I've necessarily articulated this <laughs> as well as I want to. So so here is here's what I want to say on this. Because I think there's some other schools that are similarly, you know, similar prestige, similarly situated this offseason. This is the kind of hire that a big school should be making. Not James Franklin, not Matt Campbell. If you are a Titan in college football, you act like a Titan. You pull out. Your, I don't know, do do like uber rich people even have checkbooks? What's like the above that? I don't know. It's a diamond crust check card for our for our purposes. You slap that thing down on the table in front of the best coaching candidate that you know that's out there, whether they actually have any interest in the job or not, and you say, What number does it take in this little box here to get you to come here? Every big program should do that. Florida should do that. 
Oklahoma now should do that. LSU should do that. Did. Potentially. <laughs> Notre Dame now, potentially. If you are a school of that size, that is what you should do. Texas. Texas, I think I'm not going to fire Sark, but yeah, no, they're not. I mean, but I'm saying th- that those those yeah. are the school. Yes, Michigan. I mean, there aren't that many of those schools. Bama, Georgia, those schools. You should go and you should call like the the biggest and best names out there and make them tell you no. And USC did that, so I want to give them a huge round of applause for doing that. Not Florida took the the chicken shit way out. USC <laughs> did not. Yeah, no, that's absolutely 100% right. I mean, they, like you said, they put the check on him, made it blank and said, fill this in and and get over here. And that just sends ripples all across the college landscape. But, you know, like we'll talk about in a minute, there's another school that potentially did the same thing. You know, did they see USC do this and think maybe we should do this too? I don't know. But I hundred percent agree with you. You know, that's what you have to do. You have to wield your donor base, your prestige and make people say no. It, it's a, it's a, it's a lot harder to say no. It's a very basic, just like cost analysis for these big schools. There is no reason for you to hope that a mid tier coach can prove that he's a great, you know, he's a big time coach. There's zero reason for you to take the time, the resources, the money when you can just it it is more cost effective for you to just go get the guy. Yeah. Like I I I see it. I I like oh, I'm a big soccer guy. The the big teams, you know, Manchester City, Barcelona, well, they're kind of a bad example because they have no money right now. Um <laughs> So that is, a, that is possibly a limiting factor. Yes, Manchester City or Chelsea or, or, or some of these big, these big, big European clubs, they don't say, oh, well, this guy did really well at Nottingham. I'm going to go sign him to lead my multi-billion dollar squad. No, they go to, they'll go poach guys from the biggest, baddest places out there and say, you're going to come coach for us. It's the same thing for college football. It just is, is cheaper in the long run. And smarter in the long run if you just get that guy the first time. So, Colin, let me ask you just some names here, what this move potentially means for them. What does Lincoln Riley's move mean for Jackson Dart? I'm going to lead off with Jackson Dart. The presumed QB1 going into the offseason there at USC. We, I think we, we all agree that he's probably usurped Keaton Slovis. Stock up, stock down, we don't know. I think it's stock up. I think it's we'll have to see if he brings Caleb Williams with him. And we can talk about that here in a second as well. But assuming that he does not Jackson's dart, big, big, big stock up. He was already a guy that you and I were really high on. He was already a guy that was in my top 10 for QBs here. You know, I liked his skill set. I liked what I saw this year in flashes. I think he has a chance to develop. What I think this does for Jackson Dart is prevents him from turning into the next DJU. Where, you know, obviously different circumstances, DJU didn't have a turnover in the coaching staff. But if USC had brought in a dud hire, 
who couldn't develop Dart, then <laughs> James I, Franklin. <clears throat> James Franklin. <laughs> sorry. sorry. No, sorry. Do you need a drink of water? Or... I I do. I'm gonna mute myself. You keep talking. Oh, okay. Cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, keep yourself on mute. But if they had brought in somebody who could not develop Dart, you were definitely at risk of seeing him you know, not develop and lose a significant amount of value. Now, Lincoln Riley didn't develop Spencer Rattler like we thought we would, but I am inclined to believe that there were extenuating circumstances around that in that Spencer Rattler's just kind of a dick. Um, you know, so I am willing to give him kind of a pass on that one, and I think he's going to be able to help Jackson Dart a lot. Everything you've heard about USC, even into the you know even this offseason, while Jackson Dart was still learning the playbook, is that people on that team just gravitated towards him. He had that kind of a presence. You know, people on the team wanted players on the team wanted to play for him. They liked him a lot. Whereas Keaton Slovis was a little bit more of a Sam Darnold type of a leader, and that's not to knock Sam Darnold, but he's a little quieter. You know, he was a little bit more of a lead by example type guy where Jackson Dart seems to have a bigger persona and just people on the team love it. So you're not going to I don't think you're going to have the Spencer Rattler situation. So I trust Riley to develop Dart. I think it's a huge stock up for Dart. I think it's an incomplete. I think it's an incomplete. And that's all I'm going to say on Cheater. it. Cheater. Because of the next name we're going to talk about. What does Lincoln Riley's move mean for Caleb Williams? True freshman quarterback took over the starting job at Oklahoma this year. There are already rumors surfacing because we have this nifty new first year waiver uh, for transfers that Caleb Williams perhaps follows Lincoln Riley to USC. Let's approach this first saying, let's assume he doesn't. Let's assume Caleb Williams does not follow Lincoln Riley to USC. What does this mean for Caleb Williams? If Caleb Williams does not follow Riley to USC, I think this makes Caleb Williams Malik Cunningham. Or... Whoa! Oh, <laughs> shit! <laughs> I was not expecting you to say that. Holy crap! <laughs> I think it makes him a guy who's going to be a very good college quarterback. I think it's going to make him a guy who's going to be a very good college producer. But I think it limits his NFL future. I I think we've seen these past couple games after wanting to anoint him after three games. I think we've seen some chinks in his armor here. And those were the ones that were present that made you and I kind of question his eval coming out. Uh, of of high school you know and there was some development there for sure absolutely but it's going to depend on who they get in there you know if they get somebody in there who's equally as good of a quarterback developer then yeah maybe he could maybe he could you know smooth those over and work on those traits and improve and turn himself into a first round draft pick but I have some serious questions about that. So I think he could be maybe Malik Cunningham's a, Malik Cunningham's a little harsh. Maybe it's Malik Willis, but 
you know, I, I, I question his NFL future if he does not follow Riley to USC. So <clears throat> I'm going to work under the premise that Oklahoma is not stupid. Um, which I think I feel is a pretty good premise. Actually, they, they apparently have one of the better ADs in the country and they generally do a pretty good job of hiring. Uh, so in my lifetime, Oklahoma really hasn't been bad. Um, so that's a, I mean, I'm late twenties. So that, uh, I'm going to bank on them being competent here with their next hire. Whoever it is, I think that Caleb Williams, it doesn't crush his value. I'm just interested to see exactly what the system is that he plays. And it might limit some, I'm actually going to go the opposite way. It might limit a little bit of the college production, depending on what the system is, but might, you know, he might stay on the same track for NFL development purposes. Um, but we, we, we shall see. I, there aren't really even like real names being bandied about. I mean, I, Venables is the big yeah. one. Venables would be interesting. He's a defensive guy. He'd obviously have to bring in an offensive coordinator. Let's fingers crossed. He doesn't decide to bring anybody from <laughs> Clemson <laughs> along <laughs> with, along with him in that regard. Um, but he's been around for forever. I'm sure he has some sort of connection somewhere. Uh, to hopefully pick a winner. Let's assume now that he goes to USC Colin. Caleb Williams says, screw it. Uh, I'm I I I love Lincoln Riley. I'm gonna follow him there. What does that do for Caleb Williams? Well, I just want to touch one one thing real quick on sure. the possibility of Brent Venables to Oklahoma, because that's sure. kind of the rumors that you're hearing now. I think that even if he doesn't bring an OC from Clemson having a defensive minded head coach is very, very tough to sustain success with long-term success offensively. I mean, we've seen Saban do it, but Saban's an anomaly. Okay. That's, I was about to go Nick Saban and the mic. Yeah. So Saban's an anomaly. I mean, Saban can bring in any coach that he wants. He went out and got former, it gets former NFL head coaches to come to his staff. I think we can give that a pass, but there would be, I feel like even if they bring in a good OC there, you know, after two years, that OC is probably gone, you know, and then you have constantly changing offensive systems. So, and that can hurt development as well. But I just wanted to mention that just in case Caleb Williams stays and they bring Venables. But assuming Williams follows Riley to USC, that's going to make for one hell of an interesting QB battle between Dart and Williams. I, I like Dart. I like Dart more as a quarterback more than Caleb Williams. But Caleb Williams was Riley's handpicked guy. You kind of have to think that the edge if he, leans. If he goes there, it's fairly obvious, I feel that like. he's going to be starting. Yeah. Yeah. So then I think you have to see. I hope then at that point, you probably see Dart in the portal. If, if Dart is smart. Yeah, he'll go somewhere else and he'll find another job. I like yeah. have zero um questions about that but that's just why it's an incomplete grade for me because i think there is you know i I can't i there's no way i I could even like remotely accurately assign some sort of percentage that that happens to it but like i it's definitely possible um so okay colin so then what does this mean for oklahoma well their recruiting class is already kind of starting to fall apart here I think that they're going to have to do some serious damage control. And I think they're going to have to hire somebody quick, which is, I think why the smoke towards Venables is probably going to have some fire behind it. 
you know, that's you're hearing those rumblings now. I think that that's going to happen very soon because they're going to need to get somebody in there. They're going to need to stabilize that class. They're going to be like, look, yeah, we lost Lincoln Riley, but we're bringing in Brent Venables, who is a fantastic coach. He was at Clemson, yada, 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 whatever you want to, whatever pitch you want to give to these recruits. They're going to have to do something to kind of stop the bleeding here. And they're going to have to do it quick. So I, Venables is an interesting hire. It's an interesting name. I haven't heard anybody else connected to it. Have you? Um, well, I know Bob Stoops is filling in as like the interim guy during the, um, the during the bowl game. I can't imagine they would bring him back. He's a legend there. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, you're bringing him in for one game. Uh, he When's the last time he coached? last time he coached Oklahoma yeah I, I agree it's like I think it's weird because Wisconsin did that a few years ago too they brought in Barry Alvarez or whatever for a yeah. game for a bowl game like that I think that's weird yeah um it's it's cool for the boosters and cool for people but like I'm probably avoiding Oklahoma in that bowl game but like I guess he's an option I uh, Shane Beamer a former Oklahoma guy, now the head coach at, at South Carolina, did a better job than I think most would have expected him to do with basically no real quarterback, uh, very few real receiving weapons there. Um, so he could be an option. I don't know. Th- those are really the names that I've heard, and I'm sure that will expand as the I – mean, maybe they get a surprise. You know, fuck it. Go for Ryan Day. We've already you – know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, this whole carousel is just ridiculous. Just like go for the biggest, baddest name you can find. Um, that would be hilarious. That would be really, really funny. Luke Fickle. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure they're they're calling all these guys and they'll take their time and, and do what they need to do there. All right, Colin. So, okay, that, that's what's going to happen for those guys. And actually, I just want to say Oklahoma has lost just a m- absolute ton of recruits over this, just so everybody knows. Um, and we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. Like, Theo Weiss is in the portal. Jaden Hasselwood's in the portal. Spencer Rattler's in the portal. Um, they've lost multiple four stars for the 2022 class. They had three or four, five stars already for 2023 and multiple of the who's have already decommitted. I mean, they're hemorrhaging recruits at this whole story. I, we don't, we don't know the whole story yet. It's going to be amazing in like six months once we have all this information. Um, but what does this mean then Colin, for those 2023 recruits that all backed out and most significantly Rayleigh Brown, five-star running back, think he's overrated there but a, a top recruit nonetheless was originally committed to, to uh, Oklahoma now apparently going to go to USC uh, Malachi Nelson my QB one for that class already it's him and Arch Manning there at the top um, decommitted already that's a wait and see I mean do we think a lot of them probably follow him because a lot of them were from Southern California yeah that's the thing uh, Riley was in Southern California, recruiting heavily and recruiting well in that area. Like you said, he got a five-star guy in Relief Brown. He got Malachi Nelson. There's a receiver there that's names escaping me that he got. Um, Lemon. Yeah. is the last um, name. Liz, I think. No. <laughs> <laughs> that he got and has also since decommitted from Oklahoma. So he was cleaning up in Southern California already, which – you know, maybe that's part of the reason why he was like, you know what, maybe I should just go to USC. I can, these guys are my backyard, saves me some frequent flyer miles. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the likely situation is that these guys liked Riley. That's why they were going to Oklahoma. Now 
he's Riley's going to USC, these kids can also stay home pretty much. So there's not a lot of downside for these guys to follow Riley to USC. I think it's just like so obvious that they're all going to go there. I there's yeah. zero question in my head. Like at this point, it's just like next question. Yeah. Next question. I think they all end up there. I don't know how many of the 2022 guys end up following him or if they end up going elsewhere. I mean, it might not be that attractive to head out West if they're not from there or whatever. Uh, I, I don't really know. Um, but, but perhaps, um, so the 2022 guys, I think is a little more questionable. There's 2023 guys. I think a lot of them end up following him out there. The last one here, Colin, I think is an interesting one. USC doesn't really have a, like they, they lose Drake London. They don't really have a big name receiver there. They, they could potentially hit the portal. I don't know what'll show up in there. Um, show up whatever they want. It's Lincoln like Riley, <laughs> but I think the best guy there right now is not Taj Washington. I think the, the best wide receiver there right now is Gary Bryant Jr. Second year wide receiver uh, was a top you know, 12, 15, 10, I don't know, whatever receiver in the 2020 recruiting class. Um, does his fat, like how, how high does his value go here with this news? Assuming they don't bring in somebody big in the portal. I think that's the big thing is, are they going to bring somebody in the portal in? But assuming that they don't, I mean, Gary Bryant Jr. is going to be one of the biggest risers at the wide receiver position, uh, especially throughout the early part of this offseason as people start to catch up on it. And fortunately, Gary Bryant Jr. is a guy that I have stashed in a number of places. But honestly, I think he's a sell because his value is going to get inflated. And I think Lincoln Riley is going to bring in – he's going to bring in somebody else at receiver. Now, Gary Bryant Jr. is talented. I like Gary Bryant Jr. But – you know, so he can still keep that value or he can still be productive there. But again, I think his value is just going to get to a point where you just, you just sell him. That's, that's a fair approach. I don't know if I'm buying or selling. I'm in, we have three mocks going right now. Startup mocks already at campuscant.com. Um, so I'm wondering where he settles in here. It'll be very, very interesting to see. I, I really have no idea. Um, all right, Colin, we've covered that story from pretty much all angles here. If you guys want to hear anybody else talk about that a little bit, Felix and Matt, I should say, did a emergency podcast yesterday, 15 minutes or so, 17 minutes. Um, that is on the podcast feed. So if you want to hear their thoughts on this as well, um, some more instant reaction, uh, certainly go feel free to listen to that. Uh, it's definitely worth a listen there. Let's talk about some other coaches here that are that are either rumored to be moving or will be finding a new team this year. Uh, Billy Napier, the UL coach is officially joining Florida that, that uh, was confirmed late this morning, early this afternoon. Uh, replacing Dan Mullen there. I mean, he he's been at some bigger programs, so he's familiar, you know, with how those things work, even if he's never been the head coach at one of them. Do you like this hire for Florida? Is this what they need? No, I don't think this is what they need. And and for the reasons that we talked about earlier, where if you're a big program like that, and I think Florida qualifies as a blue blood, would you agree with that? Blue blood or like they're in that top, you or know, 10 very, very close. schools or whatever that should just basically be able to do whatever they want. Yeah. yeah. You should be able to go out and get a better hire than, than Billy Napier. I mean, all respect to Billy Napier. You know, he's done a great job at UL. You know, Louisiana there, he turned that program into a very competitive team. He won 
the Sun won or at least tied for the win in, um, in the Sun Belt West every single year he was there, including his first year when he went seven and seven. Um, and he's continued to improve every year ever since then. My biggest question with him is can he recruit at the level that Florida needs to be able to recruit? Florida is in a hotbed state in Florida there. You know, that's one of the best states for college football talent. You have to be able to recruit your home state. I don't know if he can do that. You know, his his 2021 recruiting class at UL was first in the Sun Belt, but it's a Sun Belt. Um, it was 69 overall in the country. He had 13, he had 19 three stars. But he was behind, in terms of just strictly G5 programs, he was behind UNLV, Boise, USF, UCF, San Diego State, SMU, Memphis, and Cincy. Behind all of those teams in terms of, in, um, in terms of G5 classes. In 2020, he had the 82nd ranked recruiting class. Again, first in the Sun Belt, but he had 23-star prospects. He was behind Cincy, Memphis, Boise, FAU, uh, University of North Texas, Charlotte, Tulane, SMU, Houston, Toledo, UCF, ECU, FIU, Southern Miss, La Tech, and UNLV. All G5 schools that had better recruiting classes than him. 2019, ranked 77th. Again, first in the Sun Belt, 22 three-stars, but he was behind Boise, UCF, FAU, Cincy, Memphis, SMU, Marshall, Houston, Toledo, UAB, North Texas, you know, so he's consistently getting out recruited by some of these other G5 programs. And, you know, some of them are in, in hotbed locations like UCF or USF, even FAU, you know, they're in Florida, UNT's in Texas, but Charlotte, you know, got out recruited in his own state by Tulane. I, I don't know if he can recruit at the level that Florida needs to. That's my biggest question with him. Yeah, their fans were all about, you know, we need a big recruiter. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think he's like he's got some experience doing it. But, yeah, that's not a great track record. Obviously, you'll have a bigger name behind him now. We'll we'll see how that works out. Um, Florida is such a weird state to recruit in there anyway. Um, I also just don't love him as a coach. Like I watched a couple of UL games this year and he got out coached in a lot of them like they were teams that were like four and eight and they like could barely move the ball at time like for large stretches of the game like uh, i i really don't know i'm interested to see plus he's never had a lot of success passing the ball he's, he's very run heavy that's not um necessarily something you'll get away with at a big program like uh, of the big schools this year like georgia's the only one that is like you know majority run and even then they've still been efficient passing the ball so I'm interested to see if that'll work out for him there as well. I, I remains to be seen. I don't want to say that he can or can't do it that way, uh, but certainly uh, it will be a different approach. Yeah, I mean, uh, 2020 and 2019, he was below 40 percent uh, neutral game pass rate, which is well below the league average. Uh, which pulled this up off of the uh, coaching tools metric on our site there, which is is phenomenal to use. I use that all the time. So if you're not checking that out, definitely do that. But this year, 2021, is the only year that he was above league average in, in neutral game pass rate, and it was barely above average. And can you be successful, like you said, can you be successful, especially in the SEC, 
with an offense like that. I mean, he's going to have to be going up against now he's, he's in the sec East, which is obviously a little bit weaker, but he's still going to be going up against Georgia. You know, he's going to get crossover games in the sec West. You know, that's going to be tough. You know, Kentucky is probably still a better program, a better team than Florida is this year. And I don't think they're losing a ton. They're losing Wandale, but you know, they'll have to replace him. But other than that, they're, they're keeping a lot of guys this year. So Kentucky's bringing a lot of people back. They should be better next year. I'll be interested to see how, like you said, that running his offensive philosophy translates to the sec as well. Yeah. Um, interesting hire there for sure. And the fact that it's seemingly LSU made no play for him, despite him being in state, there is a little odd. So just, yeah. Um, you know, could just be a bad move and a bad move on LSU's part. We find out in a couple years, but just an interesting other piece to that. Um, if Lincoln Riley hadn't happened, I think this next hire would be the one that I'm just most interested in talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, Kalen DeBoer, the former and now head coach at Fresno State. Uh, been there the past two years. COVID year was his first year there, I believe. Formerly uh, offense coordinator in Indiana and had coached uh, some D2 FCS kind of stuff. Is going to Washington to replace Jimmy Lake. He is the polar opposite of kind of the staff that they've had there recently where he is, you know, a offensive. I'm going to call him a guru. He's done yeah. amazing work everywhere he's been offensively. Turned Indiana was very good offensively when he was there. And that's Indiana. I mean, we saw what they did this year um, with, you know, a decent amount of the same guys there that he had. Uh, Fresno, obviously, this year, very, very explosive. Jalen Cropper, Jake Hayner, uh, Ronnie Rivers, uh, and then, you know, kind of had some uh, a nice stable of wide receivers behind that. This seems like this is pretty exciting. If you're Washington, this is probably best case scenario. You weren't getting Lincoln Riley or, <laughs> you know, you probably won't even get else. Billy Napier. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that, this, I think Washington fans should feel pretty good tonight when they go to bed, right? Yeah. No, I, I love this hire. Um, like you said, he's been, he's, he's had very, very effective offenses everywhere that he's gone. And none of them have the type of talent that Washington has. I mean, this is, this is nice for Sam Heward, you know, who I'm hoping takes over there as the starter. Uh, this is good for Jalen McMillan. You know, this is good for a Dunze. Uh, you know, this is good for a lot of their weapons there. I mean, he uh, neutral game pass rate of almost 60% in 2020 and 2019. So we're kind of the polar opposite of Billy Napier. Um, again, the, the question though is going to be, can he recruit uh, at a power five level and, and at a power five level like Washington, who's not really a blue blood, but I would say Washington's probably a top 20 program in the country. Would and you, yeah. And there's usually yeah. some good in-state talent there. Yeah. I mean, Heward and Agbuka were there last cycle. Yeah. Um, there's a couple kids up there this cycle as well, I believe. So yeah, I mean, there's, it's not Connecticut or Maine yeah. or whatever. I mean, there, there are some kids there that are, that are top notch. Yeah. And to be fair to Billy Napier here, you know, I knocked him. He had the 69th recruiting class in 2021. DeBoer had the 72nd ranked recruiting class in 2021. So, you know, and he was fourth in the Mountain West. So, you know, definitely have to fair to question his recruiting ability there as well. Um, but I, I just like him as a coach better. So I'm hoping that he can figure out the recruiting aspect. The, the big question there is going to be, is Sam Heward his quarterback? Yes. You know, made Michael Penix look good there for that year. Really probably started the the Michael Penix train. 
then obviously brought Jake Hayner, who was a well, Felix has to love away. Felix has to love Sam Heward now, right? He loves Caleb. He's obligated. Quarterbacks. Yeah. 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 So, so it, I mean, do we think Heward can do well with him? I, I think this is like best case scenario for him. Yeah, I definitely think this is best case scenario for Heward. Um, honestly, I'm probably floating some offers out there for Heward right now, trying to poach him before anybody else catches up onto how good of a hire this is because this is flying under the radar right now. He was a little rough this past weekend got the start there he so was just to to say that um he was I, I think that's putting it a little friendly but freshman quarterbacks you know they they so we, we will see i i i know we said this last offseason i really doubt like the washington fans are just done with dylan morris yeah and then the, the only other guy there is is o'brien i believe this was his last year like i think he was a grad transfer uh, yeah from from Colorado Colorado State. State. and then they have like one other like three-star kid or something on the roster so unless there's a transfer there i mean and i don't know how what his pool is up at washington in his first year there coming yeah. over from fresno it might not be that big in the portal uh he's not lincoln riley or you know whoever else so uh, yeah heward might be is, is certainly at least going to get every chance uh under a guy there that's been known to develop quarterbacks here's one that's going under the radar that i think is really really interesting colin washington state ended up hiring their interim head coach uh, Jack Dickert, um, who obviously took over for Nick Rolovich there um, after he was fired. Uh, the state of Washington passed that uh, that rule in terms of uh, being vaccinated for all their employees, uh, state employees. Rolovich refused uh, to do that, and Dickert came in and had Washington State playing some pretty decent football over the past over the last um, um, two months of the season. He, they, I don't remember if he was there for the Cal game or not. They won 21 six, but then they, you know, they beat Oregon State, they beat Stanford, they barely lost to a BYU team that's fared pretty well this year. They beat Arizona State, they lost to Oregon, then they beat Arizona and they smashed their rival in Washington. I mean, and were pretty explosive offensively. Last four games of the year 34 points, 24, 44, 40. Great totals there. Uh, they have some pieces returning on offense, including Jaden Delara, uh, their quarterback. I think this hire is really exciting, and I like this guy because after they fired Rolovich, he pinned a tweet to his Twitter timeline of him getting vaccinated, which I just thought was <laughs> hilarious. Obviously, he did not quite see eye to eye with Nick Rolovich on some things. Um, so I, I, I like this guy already. Yeah, the thing is, he yeah, he's a defensive-minded head coach. Uh, you know, he came over. He was their DC this year. Um, you know, all of his experience coaching is on the defensive side of the ball. So, it'll definitely be interesting to see, you know, how he transitions Washington State, who not really. Uh, and I mean, you know, some of it's kind of thought of because of Mike Leach and because of Nick Rolovich. But I, I don't think of. Washington State is a defensive-minded school. I think of them as like an air raid, spread it out, you know, offensive attack. So it'll be interesting to see that change of philosophy there. But yeah, I think this is a this is a good hire. It's Washington State. You know, how realistically how great of a hire could they have made? So yeah, I think this is one that will be interesting to keep watching this how this plays out. Yeah, yeah, uh, certainly, and I'm interested to see recruiting wise what they do this year. Um, but I think you know that that. That, that'll be a good thing there for them. This kind of got buried because I is it like official yet? I saw Pete Tamil tweeted about it. I saw ESPN 
came out with something like a, a news note on it as I don't, well. I don't so want to sit here and say that it is official. I think it is. I think it is. Let me let's let's do a quick Google machine here. Oh, I'm I'm I did a quick Google or uh Twitter search. Um oh. ESPN says LSU is set to hire him. So I I found a tweet um for a Matt Fortuna, who's one of the writers at the Athletic that covers, I believe, Notre Dame there. Here's how the tweet that he sent about an hour ago. Brian Kelly has ghosted everyone at Notre Dame. Just spoke to one assistant who saw reports on his phone tonight as he was exiting a recruit's home. The news broke when I walked out of the house, and now I look like a fucking asshole. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I, I just saw one from Matt Fortuna here, too, and this is turning into just Austin and Colin Reed tweets. Um, Brian Kelly just sent this out, and this is from 31 Ooh, minutes did, ago. Okay. He says, men, let me first apologize for the late night text and more importantly, for not being able to share the news with you in person that I will be leaving, leaving Notre Dame. I am flying back to South Bend tonight to be able to meet with you in the morning, but the news broke late today and I'm sorry you found out through social media or news reports. I will have more to share when we meet tomorrow at 7 a.m. But for now, just know that my love for you is limitless and I am so proud of all that you have accomplished a program is elite. I'm not going to read the whole rest of this, but it sounds like it's official. These big program poaching stories this offseason are amazing. <laughs> Just hook me up to an IV of this for 365 days out of the year. Freaking awesome. Um, this one surprises me because as far as I know, he has no connections to LSU. Like this, To be yeah. that big of a poach job, you almost have to have like that, you know, he played there in the seventies or like, yeah. you know, some, some angle like that. There is no angle. He's just leaving Notre Dame. I mean, does this mean that he thought that he had done everything he could do at Notre Dame? And I also just kind of want to follow up that question by asking in tandem with it, does this kind of show Notre Dame's place within college football's hierarchy now? Like is they're not the top necessarily the top dog that, there a lot of their fan base necessarily thinks gonna say, that they still are r.i.p your mentions man um yeah, yeah no honestly I, <laughs> if you had asked me before tonight if what job i thought was better notre dame or lsu it's it would literally be a coin flip for me but i think for the fact that brian kelly is leaving notre dame and going to lsu shows what he thinks about this I mean, yes, LSU opened up the checkbook, you know, and gave him a ton. But let's not pretend like Notre Dame couldn't do the exact same thing if they wanted to. You know, he could have leveraged that offer with Notre Dame if he wanted to stay there. But I don't I don't think he did. I think he sees that as he maxed out what he could do there. I mean, he's Notre Dame's all time winning his coach now. Um, you know, he's had them in the playoffs for two or three years may have them in this year, depending on the way some conference championships shake out. But I think that the biggest thing that this says to me is Notre Dame needs to get their ass in a conference because I think that that's what's holding them back. If they were a member of the big 10, you know, maybe they would have a little bit more pull, but they're not. They're an independent, and I think that's going the way of the past. So 
I, I think that's probably one of the biggest things it says to me here, but man, this is, this is insane. So for anybody that maybe thinks, you know, Lincoln Riley said that he would not be the next head coach at LSU. And then he ended up going to USC. That sounds like really familiar. I feel like another top coach did that this, this, this season. Oh man. It was, who was it? It was Brian Kelly who was asked about going to USC. Uh, <laughs> do they have and, the same agent? And here is what he said. I don't know that. I don't know that. And I don't feel like looking that up. Okay. But here's here's what he said about this. A couple of weeks ago, someone asked him if he saw, if he was interested in USC, he said no. And then they asked, you know, if there's a scenario in which he saw himself leaving Notre Dame. He said, and I quote, I think Pittsburgh coach Mike Tomlin had the best line right. Unless the fairy godmother comes by with that $250 million check, my wife would want to take a look at it first. I would have to run it by her. <laughs> she what he said. I guess she wants to be in Baton Rouge. Yes. South Bend. So just interesting. Two separate coaches going the opposite directions in the night. Um, yeah, I don't know what this means for LSU. I mean, Notre Dame has the second rated class or like the third rated class or something this year. And they have a very similarly set up class for next year already i'm wondering because lsu's class right now is kind of underwhelming it's not very good they just lost trevante citizen uh they have like one wide receiver to speak of in the class um defensively i don't they have have walker howard though yeah they do wasn't walker howard going to be opening his commitment to potentially go to notre dame (laughs) he sure was so i (laughs) I guess maybe that probably settles that. Um, so like they, they don't have like an amazing class, not, you know, a typical LSU class. So I'm interested to see how much of that class they poach over. Um, like for fantasy purposes, because that's kind of what we care about here. Is any of this. I Like, do we love him there? They don't really I don't know if they have the quarterback on the team. I don't know if they have the running back on the team. There's certainly a candidate or two for each of those positions. They have a vast array of young, promising wide receivers. And then obviously Keishon Boutte presumptively returning. Good thing, bad thing. I, I, I really don't know. Well, I think with Brian Kelly, one thing you can probably count on is a, an efficient run game now brian kelly actually uh passes the ball at a higher rate than what you would expect um he passes it uh, you know in, we were talking about the neutral passing neutral pass rate he passes it above uh, a neutral ga- rate at above league average so you know it's slightly above league average but it is above league average so i but it, it, i don't know if it was courtesy of being at Notre Dame and that they don't always recruit skill position players the best or develops group skill position players the best. I don't know how much of that is on Notre Dame and how much of that's on Brian Kelly. So that's definitely going to be an interesting thing. I think the biggest, the, I don't even want to say the biggest answer. One thing that we're, I feel at least okay about is that they'll have an efficient rushing attack. I don't know who is going to lead it. Corey Kiner. I mean, I think TDP is gone. Maybe you know, Armani Goodwin. I don't know who's going to lead it, but I, I, whoever emerges as the RB one there, I feel pretty good about beyond that. Your guess is as good as mine. 
Flip side, Notre Dame, we have zero information about their coaching search. We have zero. We, we know what their recruiting classes look like. That's about it. You speculated earlier off screen, Colin, you think they could just potentially bump up their defensive coordinator to the head coach role. I think that's as good of a guess as any right now. I mean, the other targets, you know, Luke Fickle, a Midwest guy. Could he be in play? Matt Campbell, another Midwest guy. I Any other guesses as to potential head coaches? I think those would all be good options for, for Notre Dame there, who's been just kind of slapped out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame has to be caught off guard here. I think they have a safe and ready-made replacement in Freeman if they want to go that route. What I think they should do, though, is go after Luke Fickle. You know, make him say no. You're Like we were talking about all show here, you're a blue blood program, Notre Dame. Go get somebody. Go get a name. You know, Marcus Freeman, he's fine. He's a good defensive coach. He's already there. He knows your system, knows your players. But go get Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle is one of the hot names out there. He's a Midwest guy. He wants to stay in the Midwest, I'm sure. I think Notre Dame would be one of the very few programs that I could see Luke Fickle leaving Cincinnati for. So I would open up the checkbook for him. Yep, you have to ask. You have to ask. And those are kind of the names that I would approach first there um, and see what they say. Um, some other Matt small Campbell was a good one though. Yeah. Campbell would be interesting. I don't know if he wants to leave Iowa state or not. Notice we haven't talked about like, I mean, it's rumored that he signed an extension. He has not yet like Dave Aranda for any of these. Yeah. Baylor has seemingly done a very good job of, uh, smacking away the hands as they come in to talk to him. Um, two other coaching ones real quick on, I just want to talk Rhett Lashley is going to SMU. He was their offensive coordinator previously and then left, uh, to coach um, we're in Miami. Florida. Yes, Miami. He is going back there. Uh, interesting hire, another offensive mind. I think that's a nice follow-up there to Sonny Dykes. And, I, you know, they, they stuck the discount, the dismount more or less there. SMU did. Uh, I don't – do we need to have a discussion about that? Just note note that it happened. No, I think the only thing to discuss there, discuss there really is – or to note there really is that I don't think this knocks Tanner Mordecai, Ulysses Bentley, or anybody else on that offense – you know, Rhett Lashley had a good offense when he was at SMU. And then when Rhett Lashley had an actual quarterback in Tyler Van Dyke this year, you know, he, he made that offense look pretty good. You know, some of that's definitely on Van Dyke, but I think a lot of that also has to do with Lashley. So I, I still like the SMU offense. Sure. Um, cool. So then note that. And then the other rumor, just real quick again, guys, and then we're going to get into these transfer portal guys. Uh, you put Brian O'Brien, which is just amazing. Bill <laughs> O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> and you spell them both differently too. Which is also I put Brian way. Kelly above that one. <laughs> um, Bill O'Brien, offensive coordinator, now offensive coordinator at, at Alabama, there under Nick Saban, uh, rumored to be the Virginia going to Virginia Tech, or at least in, in consideration there, following up uh, Justin Fuente, who was fired. Um, so just just an interesting name to note there. Again, there's we're not going to go into that because. It hasn't happened, and we got so much other right. shit to talk about here. All right, guys, headlines. The only other thing I want to note on that is I thought he would get a bigger job. Now we're seeing all these big jobs flying off the board, so maybe he didn't have a chance to. But I thought he would be a good candidate for one of the bigger jobs. If he's smart, he says, let's hold on here for a minute before he uh, he, he signs on the dotted line Notre over Dame. there. Mm-hmm. 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 I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I agree with you. He yeah. says he probably waits. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma would be interesting with him too, in my opinion. Um, 
All right, guys, transfer portal. Let's talk about some of these names. Um, there's some really big names in, in here. Uh, we're going to try not to have this podcast go over two hours. <laughs> we're going to try. You might have to cut this into this listening session into two. Uh, sorry, everybody. It's just so much to talk about. So um, the biggest name, without a doubt, in my opinion, that went into the transfer portal today is Jameer uh, Gibbs, running back for Georgia Tech. Uh, 2023 eligible. We assume he will come out there. Their do it all stud is leaving, and early indicators are Tennessee. But I think you know there are lots of schools lurking. Um, USC has an opening at running back. Um, Alabama could be into you know that I'm sure he's going to get calls from a lot of really big coaches. I I don't I think there's no doubt in that. Um. Is this does this do anything for his stock? I mean, I I don't know that it increases it or decreases it at all. He was doing fine at Georgia Tech for fantasy purposes, and then obviously, you know, just Debbie, he was you know what he is. Yeah, I think this raises his stock a little bit, uh, just because I think it raises his ceiling for a CFF perspective. Um, you know, obviously, we we like him a lot for our. Uh, for Debbie purposes, you know, we ne- that was never really in doubt. Um, but and he was he was just fine at Virginia Tech. You know, we had he made multiple appearances on our sit categories. You know, uh, so I think that this raises his CFF ceiling depending on where he goes. You said Tennessee is one of the places that's rumored. If he goes there, I mean that looks that looks great. You want to be a piece in that offense. The Alvin Kamara comps are going to be nonstop if he goes to to Tennessee, I think. But, you know, we'll figure that out, that part of it out later. But overall, it's a slight stock up, I think, for Gibbs, depending on where he goes. So, Colin, I just have to to um, to throw this this in here real quick. I apologize. This is like way after the fact. I just saw a tweet from a journalist who is claiming to have not confirmed, but have spoken to somebody at USC with the details of Lincoln Riley's contract. And I have to throw this in here. I'm sorry. Okay. I'd be remiss no, no, if I don't it. talk about this. So according to this guy, he said that, and I just want to double check and make sure. Yeah. I mean, he's got, he's, he's a Sooners insider. So uh, $110 million. USC is buying both of his houses in Norman over asking price. <laughs> they're buying him a $6 million home in LA and they're giving him unlimited use of the private jet for him and his family. Wow. Um, so you know how we said earlier that this is how these things go. like, you know, you open up the checkbook and you make them say, no, they did it. They, that is what you do guys what what usc yeah. just did so um oh and apparently usc trojans football retweeted it <laughs> so uh whether it's true or not um interesting there yeah okay so back to jameer gibbs sorry i just had this is very very interesting i had to throw that out there um i i'm I, i'm i'm waiting on landing spot before i give a good answer but i think tennessee would be great i think he's instantly the best running back there i think he instantly i don't want to use, necessarily use the word bell cow i'm not sure josh hypo wants to use a true bell cow but i think he automatically is gets 60 percent of that backfield uh which was very productive uh this past year with kind of a three-headed rushing attack 
Um, so that would be a fun spot. I mean, I, I Bama, I'm telling you, I, I watch out for Bama. They lose Brian Robinson. They've got some guys there, but Nick Saban's not going to let that stop him. If there's somebody, there's a better option out there. And I think Gibbs is better than anything they have there by a large amount. Um, so that would be interesting, um, there, but I, this doesn't impact his value for me at all. He would have to go to just like the absolute, he'd have to go to like Montana or something for this to negatively impact his value. I don't see that happening. Um, so, uh, speaking of big name running backs in the 2023 class though, Colin, Zach Evans made it official today, former TS TCU running back, former five-star recruit, uh, had an up and down time there at TCU. He is leaving no indications as to where he's going. I've heard no rumors as to where he'll end up. Um, I'll just get, I'm just gonna give you the same question after all these is good things, bad thing. What are we doing? Uh, I think his is a wait and see approach, it'll depend on where he goes because you know he was good for, for CFF this year, uh, at TCU, you know, when he was starting at the beginning of the year before his injury and before he pretty much sat out there. Um, I will definitely be interested to see where he goes. You'll have to wait to hear also some potential rumors of if there were any issues with like behavioral wise or anything like that. Um, Cause that is always a back of the mind concern with Zach Evans, given his history, but I think it's really going to depend on where he goes. And I, I don't really have much of an inkling as to where he goes either. Um, is there anywhere that you want to see him go? Not really. I mean, he's from Texas. I thought that a lot of those Texas schools would make, you know, he's not going to go to Texas. Right. He's not going to go um, A&M. Yeah, he's not going to go to A&M. They've got a crowded backfield there. You know, SMU is a step down. I, I doubt that he would do that. Um, then after that, you know, in Texas, you're getting into the UTSA. Like, yeah, there's there's no other drop down there uh, beyond TCU. Bay- I mean, Baylor is the only other one. Could he go to Baylor? They lose Abram Smith. Um could be interesting but I, I mean then if you're looking surrounding area um lsu oklahoma alabama as well but i have a feeling nick saban's gonna say no to that yeah um so i mean the, i usc could he follow lincoln riley <laughs> i tweeted out today that that's going to be my answer for anybody that enters in the portal and i'm just going to copy and paste that tweet under every tweet i see about players leaving um so I, I don't know. Yeah, I I agree with you though. I think it is very wait and see. Yeah. Uh, with him, um, I just took him in the first round in a startup mock, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, not worried. Um, speaking of people that we knew were going to go into the portal, Spencer Rattler, quarterback from Oklahoma, officially again entered the transfer portal today. Lost that job there to Caleb Williams. People are speculating he follows Lincoln Riley to USC, and I do not understand Why? where this is coming from at all because Lincoln Riley just told him that he thought that he was not the best option and sat him. Like, if he's going to go poach somebody from there, he's going to go get Caleb Williams. I completely digress. He's not going to USC. We've already, spec- we've already speculated a ton on this show as to where he might end up. We So I don't think I have anything to add on that. I just wanted to note that he is officially in the portal, and we will see where he ends up. Yeah, that's we, we talked about this before, uh, you know, places that we named Ole Miss, Oklahoma State, um, you know, those places would be interesting. It sounds like Jaden Daniels is coming back, so I don't think Arizona State is very likely. Um, so he's he's another guy we'll have to wait and see. We can definitely talk about more when uh, when he actually has a landing spot. 
Yeah, yeah, that, that for sure there. Um, here's the name that surprised me the most in the portal today. Chip Trianum, Diamante Trianum, running back uh, at Arizona State, kind of the was originally the 1B to Rashad White's 1A, kind of became less than that as the season went on. But Rashad White was leaving. We all said, oh, cool, Chip's going to step into this starting spot. No, he's not. He's he's entered the portal. I mean, that obviously doesn't mean he has to leave, but you know, that probably an indicator that he that he is going to go. Um, he's from Ohio, so maybe somewhere close back to there. I mean, he's not going to go to Ohio State. Um, I think Cincinnati. Cincinnati step down. Um, so I, I don't know exactly there, but stock up, stock down. I mean, I don't know with him really. Again, that's a that's another wait and see approach to see where he ends up because I, I he was a guy that. I think I talked about earlier on this show, you know, a couple of weeks ago as a guy that I liked for next year. You know, I thought he was going to step right in for the Rashad into the Rashad white role. I thought he was going to be the, not right into that Rashad white role, but with Rashad white leaving, he was going to step into the starting role, be the one a, you know, likely Daniel Nada be the one B. Um, but chip training a guy that I still like a lot. I think there's a lot of landing places out there that he could potentially go where he would be, where will you be a stock up? There's also a lot of places out there where he could potentially go. And I think you'd be a stop down. So he's another wait and see. Yeah. Um, I, I'm withholding uh, my reaction till then. Uh, Dylan Gabriel. I think we all kind of saw the writing on the wall for this one, uh, leaving UCF there um, injured, missed, a large portion of this season with a was it collarbone or shoulder i don't remember um somewhere up near his neck um but not his <laughs> neck um pretty solid there at ucf for a couple of years or ucf obviously took over for mckenzie milton there um and did a good job there he's not gonna go to tennessee hendon hooker is apparently coming back um i don't think he would start over hendon hooker i mean so it, I, I don't know where he ends up but uh, that's a big quarterback name on the market for for you know. There's a lot of teams that need one this year. I think I would take him a pit. <laughs> you think you'd take him a pit? Yeah, I would take him a Penn State. And we have Drew Aller coming in. Take him a Penn State. Let Drew Aller sit for a year. You know that's fine. Um, I like Dylan Gabriel. I think he's a, a good college quarterback. I forgot that you really like Dylan Gabriel. Sorry, I didn't mean to besmirch <laughs> his good name. No, I just I think at bare minimum, Dylan Gabriel's a really good college quarterback. And I don't think, you know, I think that's very hard to argue against. Um, so I think there's a lot of places that he could go that I'd be very interested in his CFF value. You know, for the NFL potential, uh, you know, we'll see. You know, his arm strength is is notably the biggest concern. Um, so we'll see where he goes. We'll see how that stock go or that um yeah, we'll see. We'll see where he goes. We'll see how that stock sh- ends up shaking out. But he's one that I think is uh, is a stock up wherever he goes, pretty much. So um, two Oklahoma wide receivers entered the portal today, Colin, already, and we'll see that the whole team. <laughs> Apparently, it's just there's a hole opened up, and that hole Norman just fell into it. Um, Theo Weiss and Jadon Hasselwood, both kind of disappointing guys to you know, top five, seven wide receivers, uh, two classes ago there as freshman. Um, has what kind of came on at the end of the year, but, but Weiss has not, uh, he was injured for a lot of the year, um, uh, kind of struggled both entering the portal. 
do they follow him to USC? I I don't know. <laughs> um, but just two other names to kind of note that could maybe resurrect their careers uh, somewhere else to change the scenery and all that jazz. I mean, maybe one of them does follow him out there, but they didn't really do anything with Lincoln Riley the first time. I don't, there's not really much that would make me think that the second go around in Southern California would be any better than the first go around. Um, so I kind of think they'll probably end up somewhere else. Hazelwood's really the only one that I'm even remotely interested in there. You know, like you said, he, he had a, he had a decent end of the season this year. Uh, you know, he got a pretty gruesome injury last year that made him most miss most of the year, pretty much all of the year. So, you know, he kind of worked his way back from that. So it was nice to see him string a couple games together because he has a lot of potential. So he's the, out of the two, he's the one that I would keep the, the closest eye on. A gruesome injury. What is this? Saw? What what was his injury? I think it was just a knee injury. I thought I, was, I thought I remembered it being something worse than that. But oh yeah, way, his arm popped off his body. Yeah, you're right. It was gruesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was like an ATV accident. You know. <laughs> Jesus, no. Okay, no. I think it was a knee injury, if I remember correctly. Probably in the spring, if if I recall. Uh, here, okay, Colin. I've given you a lot of guys that went into the portal. I've got one that came out. Ooh, Ooh. Uh, Jalen Berger. Uh, kicked off the team from Wisconsin is going to Michigan state. This was rumored for a while. There were reports that he was seen there on campus multiple times. Um, probably going to replace Kenneth Walker, or at least have the chance to replace Kenneth Walker there uh, who will likely leave for the draft. Um, good, good move for Berger. I, I kind of like this one. Yeah. Yeah. I think this was a good move for Berger uh, overall. You know, he was a guy that I think before, we kind of valued his role at Wisconsin a little bit over his talent. I mean, I think talent is fine. He's a fine running back. He has, you know, but, but we, we liked him mostly because he was at Wisconsin. I think the same thing is going to happen at Michigan state where, you know, we like what Kenneth Walker just did. So we think we're going to like what the next Michigan state running back is going to do. Mel Tucker has had some success with running backs as well, you know, with, with a solid running game. So I definitely like this for him. This is one of the best places he could have gone, but I'm probably selling him high, to be honest. Um, Elijah Collins is still there, I think, right? I believe so. Yeah. 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 So Elijah Collins is still there. You know, he's, he's fine as a running back and they have um, Simmons too, right? Yes. Yeah. So they have a couple other options there. So it's not like he's going to just be guaranteed the starting role. So I think he's a guy that I might probably try to sell high at this point. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, it's certainly an interesting spot. I mean, I think it's, you know, one of the better ones he could have gone to. Yeah. Um, so if he gets that job, I think that makes him very appealing, um, especially from a value perspective. I just have some honorable mentions here, Colin. We don't really need to talk about any of these guys in depth, but just some, you know, fantasy relevant potentially names that did go in as well today. And of course, there were like a hundred and something people that went in the uh, the portal, so we're not covering all of them. Penny Boone, second year running back there at Maryland, former uh, high three star, low four star kid, uh, big back, uh, uh, leaving Maryland there uh, from the Detroit area. So maybe not Michigan State now, might be rolled out. Uh, maybe not Michigan either, but I, I, take a step down and go to one of the directional Michigan schools or something like that. Um, could could <laughs> I don't be know interesting. How much Felix hates that. <laughs> what directional Michigan schools? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, Felix isn't here, so I can do whatever I want. Um, Kalamazoo, sit down. Tariq Milton, wide receiver from Iowa State. 
we kind of thought he might become the guy there and then uh did not over the past couple years he's leaving who who was who was the guy who was there charlie kohler xavier hutchinson is the correct answer and charlie kohler was the right answer yeah, um, xavier hutchinson he's a guy that i had been touting for for a little while so oh that's why i wanted me to say it oh mm-hmm. i wanted nah. some recognition and validation now nah, yeah. i'm good um jake bobo wide receiver at duke um Oh, we didn't mention David Cutcliffe is out at Duke, but now we did. Now we can move on. Well, I'm pretty sure Mike uh, Jake Bobo is related to Coach Bobo, who was also fired at Auburn today as our offense coordinator. So maybe <laughs> maybe him and Dad get together somewhere. Who knows? Um, the other, uh, the last one, Jack Miller, the third, fourth, whatever you want to call him, string quarterback at at Ohio State, there is leaving. Originally from Arizona, does he head back somewhere around there? Who the heck knows? Um, but that writing has probably been on the wall for a while. So no, no surprise there. All right, Colin, we have two little sections left here tonight. And then we're going to get the people out of here. Early week start sits. No, we guys, we're not going to give you our 10 names. We have the results. We have the results. All right. And freshman profiles here. Here we go. Who do you got first? All right. First up, I have. First up, I have early week start sits results, actually. Oh, um, oh, okay. Yeah. So, so guys, this was, we both, uh, again, just serve it. I'll give the spiel <laughs> one last time here until next year. Each week, guys, we each chose 10 names, 10 starts, 10 sits, 20 names total. We did not share them beforehand. It was okay if we had duplicates. We came in, we gave our, our reasoning for them, and they were non-obvious starts and non-obvious sits. Um, so we... We tried to give, you know, some some deeper names there. Uh, coming into the final week, what were we like 0. 0.002 decimal points apart? 0. 0.02. 0. 0.02. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so I was blowing you out then. I thought yeah, it was 0. Zero. 0. 0. 0.002. Okay. Um, the last week of the season, guys, I saved the best for last. I went 15 and five the final week of the season. A couple Colin, of those were soft. I can Colin, test a couple of those. Colin, do you remember week one? I don't. Oh, okay. You showed up with like Bijan, Brees Hall. Not have like those guys on the Keishan list. Butte. It was week one. It was week yeah. one. We were still figuring it out. You did it in week 13. Mm. So I went 15 and five. In a last tie week, ball game. You basically took a knee. Well, it was the winning play, apparently, because you went 11 and nine. Um, so my final record was 128 and 97. Colin, yours was 119 and 97. Either way, we both did pretty well down the stretch there. Um, and looking forward to doing that competition again next year. What did we say I win? I don't know. I don't think we ever really decided what that was going to be. We'll have to talk about that off show. Are you going to be at that ugly sweater party in two weekends? I'm not. I have an engagement party that same weekend. I thought all your friends already got married this year. Okay, that's totally... We'll have that discussion off <laughs> here. Um, all right, guys. Our last section here of the night, as we did last year, uh, for you know anybody that's new to the show or, or for those that have been around and were anxiously awaiting, freshman profiles. We did this at the end of each show, pretty much. Uh, we each chose a freshman uh, that we liked or disliked, and we kind of gave our thoughts on them. We're going to start those again this week, guys. The, you know, the, the off season is beginning here. The content train never ends. So that is, that is what we're going to be doing a lot of over the next couple of months. 
Um, Colin, I'll let you go first. We each chose two highly ranked running backs tonight. Uh, you have a guy going to Bama. Yeah, um, we'll start it off here. I figure we started off big. We'll probably get real deep then later into the offseason with some three-star athletes or whatever. But to start it out, uh, we'll go with uh, Emmanuel Henderson, five-star running back out of Alabama, going to Alabama. He's 6'1", 185. Uh, he's had a very, very productive uh, collegiate or a high school career there. He rushed for almost 2,000 yards and 32 touchdowns as a sophomore. Uh, he had 23 catches that year as well. He had 12 catches last year, so he catches the ball a little bit. Uh, he's a three-sport athlete, basketball and track. Um, he's got good speed. You know, he gets to the edge, pulls away from defenders, very good burst. I think he gets to top speed very quickly, and he does frequently make defenders miss as well. So he very rarely gets hit square. He's pretty shifty. Um, I think his open field vision is pretty solid. He winds his way through traffic well. Um, he's got good contact balance. He doesn't go down easily. Like I mentioned, he catches the ball pretty well there. You saw some receptions. I think most of the time he catches it with his hands, he looks it in. Um, you could get better there, obviously. He does return kicks and punts as well, which is a positive. Uh, he does rely heavily on his athleticism, though. He frequently looks like the best athlete on the field. He's not very patient. He tries to get to top speed right away. He does not wait for blocks to develop. Constantly looking to bounce runs outside or just cut back and reverse field. There aren't really too many instances of him taking on contact square either. So I question his power, especially at 185. That's not necessarily a bad thing that he doesn't take on contact square. But I just question if he can, you know, lower the head and pick up that extra yard if he needs to. Currently, I think he's more athlete than running back. Um, you know, but and he's attending Bama, he's going to be competing in a very strong running back room. So he is higher in the recruiting rankings than he will be in my rankings. Um, I am very low on him. I'm very, very low on Emmanuel Henderson. I, um, uh, you know, a wildcat guy there. I know that that's kind of your jam. Um, not necessarily always so much for me. Like, I just think this guy does not know how to play running back at all. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a multiple year, in my opinion, process with him at a school like Alabama that already has a log jam there and you know, with the portal could bring in whoever they wanted. So I am not a huge Emmanuel Henderson fan. Let me look real quick. I have my rankings up here. As of right now, he is my RB 27 in the class. Oof. Yeah. Tier four. Oof. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have him outside my top 10. Um, I don't have my, I should have mine pulled up. I don't have them pulled up. I think he's in the 12 to 15 range for me. Okay. Yeah. So I, 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 he's a guy where the last two years, the, the number one running back, I has been obvious and it has been the number one guy, unless you're rivals who puts Trayvon Henderson at number four, like a bunch of idiots. Um, <laughs> but I don't think it is this year. I don't think it is this year. So maybe I'm just completely wrong, but I've, I've agreed with their assessment the last two years this year. I just think they're totally, totally off base. Um, we will, we will see what happens there. Um, the guy that I'm going to talk about tonight is my RB one on the year. He is RB 14 in the composite RB four, according to 24 seven. remember we talked a little bit about that last year, guys, as a trick 24 seven is generally, I don't want to follow it up by saying in our opinion, because I think it's just factual. Generally, if 24-7 is more accurate than the composite, they do a better job than 
uh, the other recruiting services rivals in ESPN that kind of factor into those rankings. Um, do they use on three yet? I was just thinking that. I don't know. They're like the new uh, guys in town there. They're the new um, hotness. Yes. Um, well, they have Barry and Brown as a five star. So they're geniuses as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> So, but Jade on blue here, running back, going to Texas, um, five eleven and a half, two oh five. We did a video on some of our top running backs uh, about a month or so ago. It's on the YouTube page. If you guys want to go check that out, where I talk about him as well with uh, some clips there. Uh, notably, he sat out his senior year, the first big high school kid to do that. Uh, he already had his offer from Texas. They apparently reassured him that he that it would not impact him at all if he sat out this year. Uh, and so he did. He, he did. So we only have up through junior year for him. Does not bother me at all personally, um, even though as a concept, I'm not necessarily a fan of that. Um, pros for Jadon Blue. He is basically, in my opinion, he is elite in terms of his vision and he is elite in terms of his patience. I don't know if I've ever seen a more patient high school running back than he is. He is just brilliant 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 when it comes to running the football uh he is the the mozart of high school running backs as far as i'm Whoa. concerned yes like just just a, a savant a savant um just great 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 he is he's happy to let blocks develop and he knows how to kind of start to set them up beyond the first level i think that's a very advanced skill and not one that you necessarily see a lot of high school kids have he does i think he has more than requisite athletic ability he ran it. I believe he has a verified 10, 7, 40. I've heard people complain about his, uh, how his on-field speed. And I think it's just very obvious from watching him that he's not going full tilt, like 90% of the time. Yeah. Like he'll just, he'll get out like 10 yards ahead of everybody and then just slow down. And I've heard people say, well, he doesn't have top end speed. It's like, no, he just blew everybody away. And now he doesn't need it anymore. I, I think he's going to end up being a sub four five guy when all is said and done. Um, the other thing that I think is he, he like I'm going to use elite twice to talk about this kid. I think Ooh. he has elite hands for the position. A couple of clips, if you go pull up his junior stuff, just absurd, absurd catches. Catches that would be great for a, a college receiver, uh, let alone a running back. So I think he has very much has a three-down skill set. He already has the size at 205, doesn't need to gain that much weight there. Um, so, I, I mean... It, I, I just love all those things, you know, very, very nice burst, very good lateral movement. Really, the weaknesses are like I haven't seen him run with a ton of power at times, but he also necessarily hasn't needed to because he's so dangerous in the open field. Like he just, you know, he'll dead leg you. He, he'll he'll run around you. I mean, so I, I haven't I it's a question, but one that I think that he can certainly answer. Um, and yeah, so I. I think that he's the natural heir apparent there to Bijan Robinson. I'm intrigued to see if he gets any run as a true freshman. I think that he might um, because they don't have a lot of other options there. Um, and so, yeah, I, he's my number one player overall in the class and my number one running back as well. And I will be trying to scoop him up wherever I can. Um, and I recommend you do too. Yeah, I, I like Jaden Blue a lot as well. Uh, he's my running back one as well there so i mean i'm not gonna go out on a limb say that he's mozart in the backfield there but uh i i i like the assessment overall there i'm uh he's definitely a guy that i'm gonna be targeting as well pretty heavily 
Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, um, and I think Texas is a good situation for him as yeah. good as you're going to get. Um, so, yeah, so because, all good things there. Yeah, Bijan will be gone after one year and he'll get some work his freshman year, I think. Yeah. I'm curious uh, if they just, cut down on Bijan's touches next year. I mean, that'll be interesting. I think the interesting thing is seeing him after sitting out his entire senior year of high school, you know, the, like you said, he's really one of the first people to do that. You know, you, you saw guys like Braylon Allen and Quinn Ewers reclassify and miss their year, but he's in high school, he's hanging out, he's doing his thing with his friends and just not on the football team or well, not playing football. I would be a lot more worried about it if Travion Henderson had not had like had you know, just taken a crap on the field this year because he didn't play at all his senior year, but it was COVID. Like Virginia just yeah. didn't have a high school football season. Um and then we saw what he did. So I'm like it, that happening last year just made me feel even better about the Jade on blue situation. Yeah. It's just, it's just an interesting note because you know, he, he said he's one of the first ones to really do that. So it'll be interesting to see how he does next year. If you know, that affects him at all. I do think it affected his recruiting ranking. I think that's why you see him down further uh, on some of these lists. You know, I think had he played this year, he probably would have been a candidate to rise up some of these lists. Yeah, a hundred percent. All right, so I think that's going to do it for today's show. We got through it all. We actually did it faster than I thought we would. So pats on the back to us. I'm sure we will have plenty more news to cover next week for Campus Life, guys, and another freshman profile. Um, beyond that, if you haven't checked out the other podcasts on the Campus Canton feed, go ahead and do that. In addition to Canton Bound, our NFL. Uh, half of the campus camp podcast there's always why wait till sunday there is debbie debate there is fantasy football roundtable um and guts and data although i don't know if that's going to continue on now that college football is over um but regardless lots of stuff going on over there go check all of that out if you have not subscribed to the site yet uh go ahead do that all the good stuff and we're going to be updating the adp now so um you know that the whole offseason uh thing is going to be in full swing we're doing lots of bull previews a lot more video content if you guys have not subscribed to us over on youtube please go ahead and do that as well we are doing a giveaway for all of our prize picks signups guys uh through the end of this month actually yeah i believe so okay the jerry judy jersey actually arrived today um, okay so it is now in my possession um we have a signed alabama jerry judy jersey guys and all you have to do to be entered to win is sign up for prize picks and deposit some money using our code to do that guys go to prizepicks.com use promo code c2c in addition to entering you into the the draw for the jersey it also gets you an initial deposit match up to $100. If you uh, deposit at least $20, you get a free year-long subscription to campuscanton.com. That's usually $29.99, so saving you some money there. Um, and yeah, again, then it just gets you uh, entered into this drawing. So uh, go check that out as well. Um, that is all we're going to have for tonight, though, guys. We will check in with you again later this week. Until then, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good one.